and welcome back to Rebound with Resilience, a podcast dedicated to upgrade your mindset, raise your resilience, and improve your mental wellness. And on this episode, we have our first ever guest with us today. Again, her name is Ray. She's someone with an amazing voice, amazing personality, which she uses to spread joy and inspiration to everyone around her. All right, and she's also a very good pal of mine, you know, her words. Who says pal anymore, Ray? Yes. The last time I heard the I word use pal. I use the word pal at least school a lot. Textbook, my pals are here. Oh. <laughs> yeah, my pal is here, Ray. And uh, yes, just a quick introduction of her. Uh, she's a fresh communications graduate from NTU. And she's an entrepreneur, a professional MC for seven years. And transitioning into being a communications coach where she coaches people to own their voice and communicate powerfully and persuasively. So Ray, do you want to say hello and add on to that? Sure. Hello, guys. I feel like Kevin has already said my introduction really well with a lot of energy and zest. But um, yeah, so everything that Kevin said, actually, I think later I'll share a little bit more about like why I started this journey, how I even went to MC in the first place. Uh, but yeah, you know, I've been emceeing for seven years. I am going to, uh, you know, I'm starting to do communications coaching as well. And uh, I do train in schools as well, just like what Kevin is doing. Um, but, but yes, I think before we, I mean, today's topic, right, we're going to extract as much value as we can from you, if you don't mind. You know, we're going to explore about your journey in overcoming insecurity and how that translated to what you do now, how that translates to you owning your voice and communicating without fear. You know, I think this is something that a lot of our listeners want to hear about. Yeah, yeah so, definitely. right? Okay, so let's get, yeah. you know, let's get straight into it. So maybe let's talk about insecurity first. Lah. You know, what is insecurity exactly? Because this word is a big word, right? But if you were to define insecurity, what does it mean? Um... Insecurity to me, because there's so many different types of insecurity, as you said. Some people are mm. insecure about their looks, their skill, uh, they're insecure about their weight, like anything mm. can be a source of insecurity for a person. So insecurity to me is allowing what people think of you or what you think people think of you to affect <laughs> how you think of yourself. And uh, I think that really stems, I mean, per, for, by personal experience, right? Because I, I don't want to say as a sweeping statement because I'm sure insecurity is is such a huge thing that different people uh, might have different root causes here and there and you don't Mm. want to go so deeply into it because you can go like way back into your life Uh, for me I realized that insecurity stems from not having a clear idea of what my identity is Mm. so when that happens then I use what other people say to start to craft like my identity. Mm-hmm. I definitely going there, but I want to touch on a little bit about what you said earlier. Right? It's not about what we think of ourselves, it's what we think others are thinking about us. Right? And that's one definition mm-hmm. of self-esteem, what we think others are thinking about us. And the way I see insecurity, right, if you don't, don't mind if I just add on to it, right? Yeah, sure. It's it's like an area where you feel that you're lacking. For whatever reason you feel like you're insecure about it. There's a root word of insecurity, right? You're insecure about something you feel that you're lacking in something you can't match up to some someone or somebody you know and to me right it's like carrying a huge mirror around with you you know every time you speak to someone it's almost like you're facing a a mirror that no one can see except you and you are looking at the mirror all the time right it affects the way you communicate it affects your confidence and it really drags you down you know so um we, we definitely i think a lot of people face this you know and and we definitely want to go deep dive into this topic today, uh, all right? So just share with me a little bit on your journey, right? Like, you know, your journey in what were the insecurities you had growing up and where did it stem from? Mm, sure. Um, I think I shared a little bit about insecurities in my first ever podcast. <laughs> I was promoting your stuff? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> go ahead. No, but yeah, so um, yeah, I shared a little bit more about it then uh, I, I did say that what I was what I am insecure about actually changed and differed throughout the years mm-hmm. um, and I realized that it is usually 
something that I place of high importance. Right. Right. So of course when um uh of course when I was younger, to me, you know, when you're young, you're just studying. You remember in primary school, you don't really think about like what you want to do in life, right? right. <laughs> you're just studying, you go home, you play, uh, that's about it. Um so when I was younger in primary school and secondary school, my main source of insecurity is the way I look. And well, I think that is something that mm-hmm. everybody relates to. I'm sure at any point of your life, at least once, you have that insecurity. So then that was the biggest insecurity of mine. But of course, I didn't really use social media much back then because I only got my phone at like tech two. Right. But then there was no social media, right? But, back then, what do we have? Friends yeah, with? not much. <laughs> right. I only okay. remember playing Sims on my okay. Samsung phone. You played Sims. Okay, yeah, oh, Sony Ericsson, sorry. Sony Ericsson was the, the best thing then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We used to blast music out loud, right? And then we thought it were cool. Times have changed. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I, I think that I saw a lot of like friends around me, especially because I was from a girls' school in primary school. Like, to me, everybody was just like more pretty. Um, and I wasn't, I think I was more insecure about like, my eyelids being single eyelids. So I was actually born mm. with single eyelids. Okay. And having pimples and all that. Uh, I used to be a huge fan of Wizards of Waverly Place. <laughs> it's a show where Selena Gomez is inside. And when you watch these American uh, you know, shows, all of them look perfect, right? You know, with the help yeah, of editing course. and makeup and everything. So I wanted to be like them, right? So I saw a lot of these people as like, people I wanted to be like. And I just wished that I was look like that at that age. Okay. Yeah, so that was the, the huge part of it, I would say. Um, and then moving towards... Uh, secondary, JC, yeah. Yeah, secondary school. Primary school and secondary school kind of like fused together a little bit. When you're young, you just forget what happened. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, let me think. So JC period, um, I was still having that insecurity about my looks. But of course, you know, JC is when you slowly go through puberty mm. and then your body starts to change, you look a little bit prettier here and there. I mean, definitely puberty strikes like, at that point of time. Um, and I realized that a huge part of my insecurity really, really leverages on how people thought of me. Mm. So I knew that, that at a point of time, I, I never had a boyfriend before, you see. Okay. So I just thought that, hey, you know, like, Everybody started, so many people are getting attached in junior college. Sure. And every single time, you know, in any conversation, back then when you are stressed and during A-levels, you just talk uh-huh. about, um, I mean, apart from talking about studies, you talk stuff. about like, like guys, girls. Yeah, there will always be the, oh, this guy is cute, that guy is, oh, you talk mm. about this couple and that couple. So mm. of course, I wanted to be like in a relationship because I thought that right. it would be cool. Yeah, and I think it's really funny because I wanted to be in a relationship because I thought that, hey, it's nice to have someone you can watch a movie with. Yeah, yeah. it's so funny. As if it's, it's, as if it's not any other, as if it's not work, right? A relationship. To me, it's just, sure. hey, I have a pal to watch like movies with and we can hold hands in the movies. Like, yeah, so it wasn't serious. Like, it wasn't like you thought about the future or you want to spend a life with this no. person. It was just a simple reason. No. And you didn't think I, it would affect your grades or whatever. You just decided that, okay, I'm going to get a boyfriend. You plucked somebody out. <laughs> no, I didn't pluck somebody out. The guy chased me, okay? Uh. Yeah, the guy chased me. Um, but when I said yes to... Okay, the funny thing is that he asked me to be his girlfriend on our very first date. Mm. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. It's just so ridiculous. And you must have quite a charm. That's why he fell in love with you. I don't know him. The, the thing is, I didn't know him very well. But okay. in my head, right, you see, I was wanting the attention, you see. Okay. I wanted their love, I wanted their attention, I wanted someone to tell me I was pretty, you know. Right. I think right. that that's primarily the reason. Yeah, so that, honestly. Right. So that can I say that that was a void, right? Because of your insecurity, there was a void that wanted to be filled. Now. So you tried to mm. fill that void in a particular way. And the attention, that compliments, someone to tell you that you look good is something that fills that void. Yeah, definitely. Because in secondary school especially, a lot of my closest friends are the prettiest girl, quote-unquote. They are the ones that always get talked about by the guys and they'll be attached. 
and the guy like after PE lesson will give like drink to her that kind and then mm. in my head it's like wow it's so nice right to have someone sure. do that for you yeah so that thought carried on right. even though in JC um, the friends around me are not people I mean we all become a little bit more I mean we become more mature in, in, in JC and you start thinking more about studies and like, mm. your career but that, that still lingered on you see the insecurity of mindset lingered on that want me wanting to have that attention from someone to sure. know that I'm good enough Right. To know that I'm pretty enough, to know that, um, yeah, so that really... Was it just looks, appearances, was it uh, your, your ability? Sure. I think that at that point of time, it was more for looks. Okay. Yeah, more looks. Because I didn't really think much about my career at that point of time. So, nothing else, not much was on my priority list. Okay. Yeah, I definitely didn't do exceptionally well in JC in terms of academics. But that didn't make me insecure. I just work harder, right? Mm. I mean, it's something you can change, you see. But looks is something that I think I, I thought I can't change, right? Okay. Like, there's no solution in that sense. Um, okay. Whereas for academics, you just study harder. You find the teachers to teach you and you, you go for remedial lessons and things like that. So looks yeah. has always been the insecurity. Wanting to fit in, wanting to be part of a gang, part of a crowd. Mm. Uh, wanting to, yeah, just have someone that accept me. So in my head, right, even though in JC, I actually had acceptance from my friends. Like, honestly, JC was the best time. Like, best and worst time. Academics-wise, it was really, really stressful, literally. There were days mm. that I would, like, during recess, I would just sleep in class or not go, go, not go for recess because I was super tired and I lost, like, 7 kg in the year, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, but it was best because the friends that I made like my class of 20 people, they were so closely and closely knitted together. I never felt like I was out of place at all. Actually, I had the best friends in JC. They were all like, we really had the class spirit because we were from an arts class, mm. right? So we're all having the, the, the class spirit. Um, and, you know, a few, like a month ago, um, during COVID period, we, we were having like Zoom sessions, like reminiscing the past. Oh, really? Like so my yeah. friends were great in JC. But I think there was always this yearning for something more. Uh, and also because I've never had a boyfriend. So it's something that is very new and exciting for me. I don't know what the challenges are. Like in my head, being perfect, right? And uh, it was really, really like going back to insecurity. The main reason was because I felt that the reason why I didn't get a boyfriend was because of my looks, like back in secondary school. So it was okay. always linked. Sure. Of course, now I know it's not true, right? Like, one thing to have a boyfriend or not is really your choice and it's a matter of, like, um, having similar values and similar goals. But back then, it was just pretty people get boyfriends, full stop. Mm. Like, that, that's literally the thought in my head because that's what sure. you see in movies. That's what, like, you know, the pretty girl always gets the guy. Okay. The guy. So what was the but consequence? I mean, okay, sorry to interrupt you, Ray. <laughs> so what was the consequence of, of that on your insecurity? As you started to, after JC... You know, and do you stay with him or, or what happened after that? I'm just going to give a, a two-liner about it. Lah. Mm. Um, right, so ultimately, then, uh, I think he was also having certain blocks. So um, it went really badly for the last year because mm. uh, it was our A-level year and he has, I mean, he was good. I think he had to do some, like everybody has, has sure. certain things to do. So he had to do with um, certain things in his life and things like that. So it went down quite badly and he we, we broke up after prom. He okay. didn't go for prom, so we broke up after prom. And um, he's very happy now. So I'm actually very happy for him. Okay. Uh, he retook a year and then he got like, I think straight A's with one B or something. And then he okay, has a girlfriend nice. now that's making him very happy. So he's actually a very brilliant, brilliant guy. Anyways, um, that, um, yeah. So after I, after I graduated from JC, I... Uh, got into clubbing, right? So mm, I started going to clubs, you see. Mm. And um, what actually hooked me on to a club was because um, I, you know, you know, you dress how you dress to a club. You go to a mm-hmm. club, you look nice, you look good, and then like guys would come to me and they would ask me to buy me a drink. They want to dance mm-hmm. with me, and that fed right. my insecurity a lot. Like mm. it's like giving sweets to a like a kid right you blew it up big time right it's just yeah it's like, 
Yes, the kid hasn't had sweets in like months and then you just give him sweets and just like, oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right, but then after that, you realize there's bad for you because there's consequences. Uh, mm. Then you have huge if you stop eating sweets for a while. Or, you know, mm. it's, I think it's like smoking. It's like smoking a cigarette. Like, okay. once you stop, you have a withdrawal, uh, you have withdrawal symptoms, right? So, it's the same. So, um, obviously, the guys in the club, they're not really looking for anything serious. They kind of just want to have fun and things like yeah. that. So, I started thinking like, hey, you know, like, why, like, what's happening? Am I just worth, worthy for my looks? Am I not worthy for, like, mm. uh, who I am? Things like that. So, it actually made it much worse, you see. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think it left me in about, like, ha- half a year of just, like, um upset with myself and then like I would escape back in the club and I would just treat the club as a form of a way for me to escape. Sure. Right. It's it's kind of like to go in and get that shot of like mm. oh like love and affirmation and then the next morning when you wake up you realize that it was all a dream. Right. So it was not a lasting right. line in that sense, right? If you build your yeah, definitely on that. It's just you keep going back. That keeps you going back. You know, and, and having those compliments and having guys telling you that you no know, you're amazing and stuff like that. You know, but, yeah, but know. what was the... No, right? it's true lah, of course. I mean, I... I <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but I but... guess... I guess you wanted something more lah, right? And and like you were mentioning, like, mm. what was the consequence of that? Was there any low point or any point where you just sat down and said that, man, I need to, you know, work on, on some stuff? Uh, you see, right, ultimately, the root cause of the problem is it has nothing to do with the guys or the club or anything like that. It has mm. nothing to do with anybody around me, actually. Sure. Right? Because I chose to be in those situations. Mm-hmm. The, main, the main issue is because I wasn't sure of who I am. I don't know who Ray is. Right. Like, I don't know who's Ray. So, once I get acceptance because of how I look, then in my mind, okay, Ray is someone that clubs and gets guys' attention in the club. Like, that's my identity. Mm. Because I don't know who, what's my identity, right? So that became my identity. And when I found like I was lost in that and I didn't get what I want from that, then my identity got shaken. Then I'm like, who I am now? Who am I now? Mm. Right? Mm. Because I have nothing to leverage on. Like, I, I don't know who, what my identity was. Mm. So I always say this, like, not knowing your identity is very scary. Like, okay, I mean, personally, that is something that um, scares me the most because you realize that you let other people tell you who you are. Sure. You let others and define who you are and your worth, right? Very dangerous. Mm. If your emotions and your worth is, is, is linked or is affected by what other people think or say, mm. you're in a very dangerous position because people sure. are very unpredictable. They can think one thing this day and the next day they think something else. Right? right. And that breeds insecurity. That breeds insecurity, right? Because it's... Yeah. it's uh, you're always thinking about what other people think and what other people say and your life revolves around that you don't have any respite from it you know you don't control your own identity you don't like you said know who you are um so yeah exactly right uh, and, you... and yeah so I, yeah and i also said this like uh in my recent i mean i know i i keep talking about my story, sorry but i did i did talk about this in my one of my recent instagram posts which is that when i entered uni as well like mm. I wanted to, you know, be part of a gang. I wanted to be part of a group. I wanted to be part of the culture of the school. And so I would um, arrange my schedule around, like, people in that sense. Like, I want to stay late in school just in case I get invited to, like, a supper where, mm-hmm. like, people go. Yeah. Like, I just always wanted to be part of things so sure. that I would get that, that attention. Makes I would say just that affirmation and the validation. And okay. literally, like, my schedule was determined by those things. Like I'll not know if I want to go back to the hall or you know to sleep mm. or to just stay. So when you are not sure of where you're going or what you want or what your identity is, then you start being um really ruled by what people say and think and do. Like. Right. I mean an energy will be like you're in a boat and you were like a sailor, but you can't control your sail. Right? So you're just kind of um, wherever the wind blows, you go, you know, and the identity, <laughs> right? And the identity is like a sail. It's something that you control. So, so the question is, right, I mean, a lot of listeners also perhaps relate to you, but what was the process for you? What were the factors that led you to kind of form your identity? 
and kind of be more grounded in that. Mm, wow. Mentorship, personal development, right? Because I know you very well, like, sure. you start I know, I know. mentorship and everything. I'm just, mm. I'm just trying to think back to, like, when it first started, you know, so... <laughs> you made me, uh, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyways, um, I don't want to be so chim now, like, okay, like, you know, talk about men- uh, definitely mentorship, going to personal development, but those are very big steps, you see. Mm-hmm. So maybe I start with, like, the smaller steps first, which is, being open to opportunities when I was early, when I was much younger, okay? So when I was much younger, I went to emceeing at a very young age, like when I was 16 years old, started emceeing at 16. Mm. So that was kind of how I found my, like, I found that I, I get really energized around people. I love being around people. I love hosting events. I love being in the spotlight. I love being able to go for different events that I wouldn't be able to go to if I wasn't hosting it. Like mm-hmm. OCS commissioning balls or like hosting a six weekend long whiskey festival and tasting $1,000 whiskey. Mm-hmm. Or like going for a company uh, D&D and hosting it, hosting a company D&D with like, you know, the employees are like 50, like 40 yeah. over year engineers. So those are the events I love to go to. I love meeting new people. I love just interacting with people. So. I started sort of like forming my identity over emceeing as well. Um, so that became part of my identity, mm. right? Um, of course, later I'll talk a little bit about um, how you shouldn't leverage your whole identity being in one. form of identity yeah. because okay. that's dangerous. But that was a start, you see, right? You know, being able to speak to people well, being able to mm. um, communicate well, sure. being able to uh, be around people and, and, and spread positive vibes and energy. So that slowly became my identity in that sense. Right. Uh, and it, it made me stop thinking so much about like how I look and things like that. Right? Mm. Yeah. Because focusing on like what you're good at, right? Like focusing on yeah, something and also, you're yeah. Sure. And also because then emceeing and working on my craft became more important to me than worrying about like my looks, right? Yep. That yeah. Because it, it also like older you go you realize that people care more about the value that you give more than your looks, honestly. Like, yeah. right, honestly, it's, it's about what, what you can give to others, how you can help others. Got it. Um, but in that yeah. sense also, there lies a potential um, drawback. I mean, we discussed this before as well, right? Like, you know, if you just pride it on that alone, what if that you don't do well in that particular arena? Or do you start comparing yourself with other MCs who perhaps look, you know, um, by society standards, look maybe more attractive and stuff like that. And then does it does it weigh on you as well in, in that in that sense? Right. Yeah, so the thing is when you like um that's why I think is identity is such a huge thing. It's, it's so complicated. Um you never want to just only look at one area of your life. Mm. Uh there's so many areas of your life, right? I mean there's family, there's your health, yeah. there's like your emotional life, your mental wellness, uh, and all that. There's so many areas of your life. You want to make sure that you pay attention to all areas and not just that one thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, so that is something that has helped me tremendously. And, and of course, I, I was only able to understand the concept of looking at different areas of your life. Um, really? Yeah, like through mentorship and through personal development, through attending um, online webinars, through knowing of, uh, you know, like Mind Valley. And then like Napoleon Hill, like a lot of these huge names that a lot of, you know, that my, that my business mentors actually recommended to me. Um, mm-hmm. Those really, really opened my eyes to a different perspective, you see. Because mm-hmm. I was brought up thinking that, right, life is really just about working for money. Mm-hmm. And like having kids, providing for your family, and working sure. a job, and then you die after that. Like, that really is what I thought of life to be. And sometimes, of course, I just think like that was really the point of life, right? Like it's sort of like just going through this cycle and that's it. So that was the perspective that I had. Not because mm-hmm. my parents were harsh on me. Actually, my parents are the loveliest people. They, they never really impose things on me. But mm-hmm. when you're a child, you see how your parents live. You see how society live and you follow. And that sure. is your normal. Okay. So only in like university year two or so, early year two, um, did I really opened my eyes to 
the world of entrepreneurship and personal development. Mm. And uh, okay. I know that these words are so overused nowadays, but these how did that impact you? Yeah. yeah. How did that impact mm. you? If you could describe the shift in perspective, right? And the impact on your identity. Um, oh. How would you yeah, share? Oh my goodness. So many things. I mean, firstly, number one, right? Um, one thing that bothered me so much in the past was mm. how I was perceived. Actually, I was quite controlled by my parents, like actually, mm. honestly. Like now, I, I I don't think about it much because they have completely. Oh my, now I don't think about it so much because my like my relationship with my parents changed a lot, mm-hmm. a lot, tremendously. Uh, but back then, you know, in year one, I mean, they were still very focused on academics only. Like they still push me here and there. They're not the kind of force, but it's sort of like talk, talk, talk until you get it in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when I started my entrepreneurship journey, sometimes I go for meetings, sometimes I go for MC events, they'll go quite late at night. And at 10 p.m., I will see their call just calling, 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 why you're not back, why you're not back yet. And they're very happy about me um, doing anything apart from studies. Uh, studies, uh, apart mm-hmm. from studies. Okay? Uh, and it was a very tough relationship. I mean, personally for me, because like, I didn't like to have my, I just felt very kept in a cage. Like, I couldn't run my own life. Uh, and I felt like I was invested in that sense. Uh, sure. I don't like to use the word, but I was more of mm. just, it was, it's like my mechanism, it's like my auto mechanism to always check with my parents and not mm. make my own decision. Okay. Yeah. So... Um, one thing that really changed my life is actually something that you told me, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Because I mean, we really knew each other back then, and uh, there was once uh, I was supposed to go for this conference overseas, and I didn't even ask my parents if I could go because I knew they're gonna say no, and I didn't want to even have that conversation with them. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, didn't even bother to get the ticket or anything. Sure. And I was just talking to you, and you remember this, right? Right? You remember you told me. I, I'll uh, try to remember. Go ahead. Time in, you can't remember? Okay. Go ahead. You, you told me that in anything that I do, um, if I want like something, uh, I have to communicate it with my parents, like an mm. entrepreneur. Right. Oh my goodness. Like That experience changed my life because wow. I think in the next few days, I actually mm. sat my parents down and I spoke to them. And then right. I told them what I wanted to do in life. I told them a little bit of my dreams and goals. I told them that I wasn't 100% certain, but I'm getting there. And I asked them what their concerns were. Right? And they listed to me their concerns. Like, oh, we're going home late at night. Don't really like mm. that. Oh, now I'm afraid of your studies. And then I addressed every one of them. So, for example, going home late at night. Then I'll right. say, no, and this is true. I'll be like, when I'm going home, I'll share a cat. And I'll share a cat with like some mm. uh, you know, ladies that were at the same meeting with. Um, and for grades, I told them that I'll do my best to maintain a certain grade level. Mm. Right? So, of course, that one conversation didn't change everything. It's process, but that right? one conversation mm. uh, follow up my, by my consistent actions mm. of me, number one, communicating with them. So, at 10 p.m., I'll send them a text. I still send them a text. If I'm out late at night, I don't think it's, like, I think it's respectful that you just tell your parents where you are. Sure. I don't see it as like they're controlling me, but they just want to know where you are, I mean, so that right. you're not like lost or anything, right? And then that was just like a two-year journey of my parents slowly easing up, me right. being very hard on. And then right now, um, I mean, amazing relationship with them. Uh, my, my, I mean, even right now when I just graduated and traineeship positions are coming up, right? Because right? jobs are hard to get, things like that. I would think that many parents of graduates or immediately tell their kids, yeah. just go and apply. Okay, my dad he just asked me like it depends what you want, right? Mm. If you want to run your own business and do your coaching business, then are you gonna give yourself a timeline? So it becomes a discussion, right? And he he's the kind that okay you decide and then you just go ahead with the decision. Don't think back. Right. Yeah. And I think that that support of my parents is was huge, really huge for me because. I, I'm very close to my parents. I love my parents. I love my family a lot. And I didn't ever want them to be an obstacle. Or I don't want to ever choose between one or the other. Sure. And I'm so happy that I managed to find like a middle ground. So I think that was 
a huge, huge, huge factor uh, in. Right. Yeah. Can you add on to that? Because I find it really fascinating. See, a lot of people, right? Uh, I think one issue with entrepreneurship and maybe doing your own thing, let's not even talk about entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship is a big thing. For a lot of you guys, you just might be taking a CCA. It might just be taking a different course that you have a different perspectives to your parents, right? And the process by which you confront it, right? The process by which you sit down and have an honest conversation with your parents, that in itself builds your self-image. That in itself mm. helps you to be, uh, works on your insecurities as well. Because it, like you mentioned, it comes as the whole package, right? Slowly as you start to make your own independent decisions, you become more sure of who you are, become more sure of where you're going. And naturally that also affects you. That also helps you to kind of uh, overcome certain insecurities, you know, about what other people would think, what your parents would think. And this is what I advise a lot of youth as well. You know, have empathy for how your parents feel. Don't just shut them down. Have empathy, know that they change your diapers. So you better well have some a bit of respect for them. But when you sit down and have an honest conversation with them and let them know these are my desires, these are why I feel that it's worthwhile to pursue it. They may not agree initially, but when they see your desire and your your heart for it, right, they will they may not support you fully, lah, but they will understand and they'll let you do it. And along the way, like in Ray's journey, right? I mean, I know her parents as well, right? Her parents shifted because they saw the certainty in her. They saw that identity in her. And along, you know, just recently she graduated, right? And your parents were, you know, completely changed. And they're so supportive of you going into your, doing your own thing because you're happy. You know, and they see your growth and they see your happiness. They'll come back and you'll be happy. You will be happy. But the process is a process that takes time and it takes a lot of effort. You know, it's not going to be an easy journey, but if you guys just stick to it, um, I'm sure you guys will really be really, you know, eventually having a good relationship. And understand that if you just follow your parents, right, and in your heart you want to do something, but you just follow your parents, you might end up just having more resentment in the future towards them. You blame them for not, for your, for your unhappiness. You know, it's just about communicating like, and being authentic to yourself. Ultimately, your relationships with your parents will also improve. Yeah, okay, so thanks so much, right, Ray, for sharing your, your personal story. Yeah, communication um, is key. It's key, right? So let's transition a little bit, you know. So um, yeah, sure. I just want to talk a little bit because I know this was a huge, uh, kind of a small chapter in your life where you were kind of building your identity already. You were really in business. You were really speaking. You know, you were emceeing. But there was a period where you had eczema, right? Where mm. you had a very bad case of eczema that you break out on your body. And that yeah. kind of brought you back to a, to that place where you know what are people thinking about me and that that you know um you want to share a little bit about that yeah so um basically um in year three i think it was last year july about there um i came back from korea and i just had this huge outbreak of eczema literally all over my body mm. like from my head to my toe quite literally and my face yeah. as well my neck my back my everywhere like, basically um and it was really like peeling skin right so it's like imagine like a sunburn but like 10 times worse okay la, not too bad you told me it yeah it hurts i mean yeah. you you can actually just uh yeah so it's like peeling skin and it's very sting and, and it's, pain. it's itchy and painful and when you move you can feel the pain and it's very dry um and and i think the worst thing is also feeling terrible when you wake up because you want to get out of bed but it hurts Mm. Uh, and you're also like seeping uh, you know when your skin the top of your skin comes off there's a little bit of water that comes out so like you're also seeping mm. water and, and all that kind of stuff okay. Yeah. and my semester already started and I had to go to school so for the whole uh, I think three quarter of my semester I was looking like a red lobster and I was also very swollen mm. Yeah. and I was still continuing to put makeup at the start because I was just I didn't want to look terrible. Like, mm. I guess it's just, I knew what my identity was, but I also couldn't MC a lot because of my skin. So a little part of my identity was also taken away. Um, I did still continue to train though, so that was, that was still good. Um, but I think it's just the idea that how can I still speak to people if I look like that? Like, I was just afraid that um, when I want to speak to new people, they would look at how I am 
looking okay. at that point of time, like how I look at that point of time and I guess think differently. I, I don't right. think that, I don't want like to use the word judge because I don't think people would judge me for my condition, but it's more of that I can't have that charm. Like I just thought that I wouldn't be able to have the same charm, sure. right? Um, the way that I speak to people, especially guys, I know I just always have this thinking that mm. okay. <laughs> yeah, like in my head, it's like, oh, guys look at your looks as well. So mm. I feel like I, I don't know if I can ever take away that mentality. Yeah, I think just to share, right? I mean, it's not I, like we are yeah. perfect. You know, it's like it's not like we're sharing this, right? And then we have already overcome. It's always a constant process. You know, even for myself, like you can't say that my identity is completely like secure now. We all of us continue to get insecure. You told me about how you managed to overcome it. You know, you want to share like, how you eventually just decided to go out there. And that, when that mentality shifted, right, what was that response from for you? Sure. So actually, I was just, the reason why I just wanted to go and do things, right, because I cannot imagine just staying in bed all the time. Like, that's very, I, I'm just not that kind. I just, I just want to go out and do stuff. Mm. So I still continued training. I still wanted to earn money. And when I did, when I, when I go out there and I just expose myself to what I was already doing, even networking events and all that, I realized that, yes, people did have that initial, like, I want to ask what, what's wrong with you, but it's okay. I think I would just not ask, like, that very puzzled yeah. look on your face. Yeah. Um, but that aside, I can have great conversations with people. Like, in fact, I even went on a date when I was looking like that. <laughs> Me? I didn't even know that. <laughs> oh, I did, I did. I, I mean, it wasn't really a, it was, it's not really a date, like, I mean, it's just a guy that I did. Oh, sure, it's not really. I did meet him on a dating app, but in the end, we that, that didn't feel like a date because he was really just like a pal. Yeah. Like he didn't, wasn't like interested or anything. And I also wasn't mm. interested in him. But it's just so funny. Like, oh my gosh, never in the world would I imagine myself to look at that condition, to look like that at that condition yeah. and still be able to go out Converse. and meet someone new yeah. that is a guy. Okay. okay, literally that would never happen. So that was a huge like kind of barrier mindset kind of shift, like, a win yeah. in a way for you. Yeah, yeah and you yeah, also shared with me that like when you, and this is from your video, right? From, um, I think so. Yeah, I watched a lot of yeah. this stuff, okay? You know, you said that uh, when you yourself um, don't bother too much about it, when you yourself are not thinking too much about it, then that is reflected in the other person as well. You know, and they, they kind of reflect back your emotion. Whereas if you're constantly thinking about what other people are thinking, right? That also kind of attracts that energy as well. Yeah. As I just know that, you know, when you're talking to someone, people are usually more focused on the conversation anyways. Mm. Yeah. Okay. It's like, you're not going to take more than two seconds to think about how you look. Unless, okay. and yeah, I mean, honestly, like they have better things to do. People have better things to do than that. Okay. So having that, 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 perspective really really helped me good yeah and and just don't surround yourself with people that judge people too much i'm sure there are people out there that do that confirm and mm. they only judge people in their looks so just don't don't hang out with people like so that. environment's important as well lah. okay okay we got a transition already into the part two which is more owning your voice right and the work that you do now in communications so you just graduated congrats by the way um and right now Thank you're you. transitioning to being like a full-time coach and an entrepreneur that's helping people to really own their voice. So talk to me about this. What does it mean to own your voice? <laughs> much time okay, so owning your voice is definitely like more than just a physical voice. Like mm. all of us have a voice, we can speak. Uh, but owning it, the, the word owning it, right, is really understanding your inner voice. Right? And your inner voice really constitutes like your identity, your story, your message, your opinions, like what you stand for. Mm-hmm. What are the things passionate about your say, you know, and all these things in your inner voice, right? Your philosophy, your beliefs, your values, everything like that. Um, that is your inner voice, okay. right? Then using your physical voice, that means the voice you use, your physical voice, sure. to speak in order to impact or inspire or, you know, create change um, in the way that you want. So. Right. You know, Kevin and I were doing this Mind Valley um quest now by Lisa Nichols, right? Yeah, and Lisa great, Nichols great talks about yeah. great cause. Uh she talks about um when you speak, you know, ask yourself how would you want people to think, feel, or act? Right? Like, do you want them to think 
and have a different perspective after your speech, after you say something? Or do you want to, like, after you say something, they are actually motivated to act on yeah. their, uh, their desire or act on, you know, yeah. and, and create change themselves? Or do you want them to feel a certain, like, feeling in their heart yeah. that, you know, change their life afterwards, change yeah. their perspective and how they view certain areas of their life? So for us to be able to do that, we need to understand what is our inner voice. We need to understand like, what is the message we even want to uh, go forth and speak in the first place. Sure. Uh, which is why whenever I work with people, we always go straight to the why, right? You know, that, that is talked about everywhere. Why mm. do you even want to, how do you want to use your voice? Yeah. Why do you want to speak better? Sure. Um, and so that's what I mean by owning your voice. Yeah. Okay. And just to add on, you know, um, just to illuminate that a little bit, I think that is so important. I really like the way you position it, how owning your voice, because that's you. You know, that reminds me of you. You know, you overcome all the insecurities and in a few, in the past, you couldn't really say that you owned your voice because like you said, you were, you're not sure who you were. But when you started to kind of take steps to, you know, forge your identity, right? When you take steps to overcome your insecurities, your struggles and your baggage and all your difficulties, right? All become part of who you are now, you know? And you're yeah. owning that voice and you come across authentically. And even in the course, it says that, to communicate authentically, right? It's all about being transparent. You know, is that you have nothing to hide, nothing to defend, and you are just comfortable with both your brilliance and your breakdowns. You are comfortable with the highs of your life and also the struggles yeah. they have gone through. And when you can authentically bring that out and share, right? That makes you a very powerful communicator. You know, because communication is not just about like it's not just about being able to pitch, pause, pace, power, pronunciation. It's not just about gestures, right? That's just the outer part of it. You know, but what makes a solid communicator, a inspired communicator, is when they know who they are, they know their message, and they're very clear when they speak the message. You can sense it, you can feel it, and it makes people feel as if they want to do something as well. It inspires them to own their own voice. You know, and yeah, that's yeah. what Ray is doing now, you know. So I'm so happy for her. Yeah. And this is something like what you mentioned just reminded me of something uh Simone you know Simone Heng. Yeah. You know, the the, the ex DJ and now she's also a coach right now. Uh and she said this, which I thought was very true. Uh if you are like a if you try to be safe, the way that you speak is like very vanilla, like you don't have much opinion, you want to always be neutral. People are not going to listen to you. Mm. Yeah, because you won't be remembered. You won't really make a mark because you're just always like politically correct. You know what I mean? Yeah. People will listen to you when, even if they don't agree with you, they at least listen. Like, oh, right. okay. This person has an opinion. You, you stand know, for something, right? Yeah. Stands for something. So you cannot just forever be in a safe zone. You, I think that the first step was asking myself, even just the daily questions of like, how do I feel about this? What do I think about this? And we don't ask ourselves that enough, honestly. Right? Like, you see an incident that happened out on the street. So, what are your thoughts about this? And you don't have to tell people your thoughts. You just think about it, journal it, or write it down. Right? Mm. Because that is how you slowly realize and, and figure out what is it that you're passionate about. Uh, what is it that you stand for. I mean, this is how people slowly realize their passion for, like, mental health or, like, environment or whatever. Right, so it, it's from these little moments that uh, you start asking yourself some of these important questions of what do I think about this? How do I feel yeah. about this? Yeah, and, and communication is something very universal. You don't need to be a public speaker to want to communicate well. Anything that you do requires good communication, and that stems from you know owning your own voice, you know, understanding who you are. La. So, I think the work that you're doing is so amazing, and definitely do check out Rhea. I'll put in um, a plug later on, uh, give you a chance to promote yourself because you've been dying to do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, um, okay, we got to kind of wind down a little bit. Uh, maybe talk to me about just as a communicator, apart from owning your voice, right? What can people do to overcome that fear? So, as a question from Instagram as well, like, you know, how do you overcome the judgment of doing something different? Different, yeah. Well, I think that's a perfect question for me because. <laughs> That's exactly what happened to me like two, three years ago, right? Like even from my Instagram feed because back then when I was still promoting for a club, like of course, a lot of my social media posts navigate uh, just was mainly of like pictures of me clubbing and things like that, social pictures. So when I went into 
a personal development space and I wanted to go into entrepreneurship and coaching like what I'm doing now, of course, the nature of my post also changes. Very different. Just, yeah. yeah, the way I speak, how I act, how I dress, mm. right? I used to think that black tights is considered formal pants. So <laughs> every single aspect changes. Mm. I have to say that it's a gradual process, right? So it's like two years of slowly, slowly changing. Mm. Um, but at the start, okay, I'm just a think back of me back then two years ago. Did I have fear of judgment? Yes. How did I deal with it? Number one, I am someone that gets energy from people. You got to know yourself. So to me, if I want to reduce that fear of judgment, then I make that, what, I, what actually helped me a lot was being around people that were also chasing a similar goal. They mm. were also, you know, experiencing similar fear of judgment issues. And that becomes my new normal. So my new sure. normal becomes dressing a certain way, speaking in a certain way, chasing goals, you know, like being more aware of, you know, your likes and dislikes and yep. being more aware of where you're going towards. Um, and because that's my new normal, I slowly become, uh, I slowly think less of what the other side sure. is, which is, uh, you know, only focus on your career, only focus on school, only focus on friends, whatever. Okay. Okay. So the first thing would be surround yourself with people that understand exactly what you're going through. Yeah. Okay, so that there's that there's that um there's that layer of support. I think that's one main thing, right? That's really the main thing. And okay. then if I want to give a practical tip, um, it would be that even on social media, right? When you want to change, um, you can't change just like overnight, you know. You gotta give people time to slowly, slowly like realize like, oh, you know, Ray is this person. Okay. And and I know that I'm saying it's like, oh, you know, you wanna see how people look at you, but ultimately if you wanna use social media as a way to promote what you do, it, it is necessary. So what I did was I slowly, slowly dropped little hints that I'm doing something new. Right? Mm. So it could be an Insta story of me reading a book on personal development, you know, slowly, slowly. And then now I'm like producing content about personal development, mm-hmm. right? But back sure. then, if two years ago, I did that change overnight and I suddenly put a video on fear of failure. People mm-hmm. would be like, who is this girl? Like, has she failed in anything before, right? right. So, so, post- so understanding the context of the environment and the space, right? It's not that you don't want to judge it. It's not that you care about what people think. In some sense that, okay, you're not defined by other people, but in the same sense, you also got to be respectful of how other people would perceive you because, you know, that's an important part in business as well. Yeah. So, mm. um, ultimately, fear of judgment is really like an internal mindset thing because uh, it takes that decision to go out of your comfort zone and look at your goal. I think, I think the... the the best reply would be to be very, very sure of why do you want to make that change and what is your goal. Because okay. if you keep your eyes on it, then it doesn't matter what people do around you. You will always keep your eyes on it, right? So I've been watching this Korean drama called Itaewon Class and it's brilliant drama. I'm not, I mean, I'm, I don't want to promote Netflix or anything, but that's really a brilliant drama. So mm. if any of y'all watch Netflix and you're watching all the other not-so-good stuff, right, watch If You Class because it at least teaches you something. Okay, we're going to wind down. So we're just going to close up with a surprise segment. Okay, I named this segment Reflections. So I'm going to ask her, we're planning on working. Oh. Oh so I'm going to ask her 10, Ray, I'm going to ask you 10 quick-fire questions. You've got to answer them within... Uh, 15 seconds. Okay. okay, ready? Yeah. Okay, what is your greatest asset? I look, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> After all that we have discussed. Okay, wait, wait, sorry. It has to be my voice and my brain. My mind, my mind. Greatest is singular. Okay, never mind, fine. I'm sorry, I'm okay. I, I don't play favorites. Yeah. Sure, your greatest fear. My greatest fear is leaving the world without owning my voice. <laughs> it's the happiest no, moment. You. Happiest moment in your life. Thus far. The happiest moment has to be when um, I was singing at an event. And okay. it was a huge event with like thousands of people. It was Artbox Singapore. 
and my whole family came and my parents they were so proud of me they were like just like taking their love iPhone it. camera they filmed the whole entire thing yeah so yeah, that was question what's the most important trait in speaking authenticity describe yourself in three words <laughs> in three words ah uh, I'm cute okay sure his favorite movie. Size one. Really? Why? Because the story it's about someone that thought that she wasn't gonna make it and she made it, and she made it with resilience and and really just owning her voice. Okay, right? love it. Best advice you have ever received. Don't live for anybody else but yourself. A person that inspires you. Lisa Nichols. Okay. The last question: What's the advice you have for your sixteen-year-old self? Um, don't dye your hair blonde, because it takes a lot of maintenance. Okay. With that, we've come <laughs> to the end of reflections. Ray is a privilege to have you on this podcast and such a wonderful conversation with you. Just the last question, alright, what does resilience mean to you? Resilience is always going forward towards your goals even if everybody else tells you you're not going to make it. Okay, nice. And where can people find you, Ray? Right, people can find me on Ray Matrix. <laughs> on Instagram. Don't ask me why it's Matrix. I didn't even watch the show The Matrix. Um, yeah, you can find me there and basically all my YouTube and my Spotify links are on there as well. Sure. Fridays with Ray. Yeah. Check it out on yes, Spotify, then, right? If you're on Spotify, check out Fridays with Ray. Ray has her own um, podcast as well. Hopefully, I'll be on there once a day. Um, yes, I believe we have come to the end of the podcast. Definitely look forward to the next podcast. You're going to have another special guest coming on. Um, I think Ray knows who he is. He's a speaker that I work with who is uh, visually impaired. So he lost his sight when he was 19 years old. But he managed to overcome it and now he's a Paralympian. Alright, so do look out for that. Um, and yes, stay safe, stay resilient. And we'll see you guys next time. Say bye, Ray. Bye. Alright, bye guys. See y'all.